Good morning, Upward family. How is everybody today? Hope you're well. We've got a lot, a lot, a lot to celebrate today. It's Pentecost Sunday, the birthday of the church, and when we celebrate God's outpouring of His Spirit upon the church, and we still believe there's more to be poured out on the church. Can I get an amen? Amen. So glad it's also Memorial Day when we honor and celebrate those who gave their lives in service to our country. So many uh, of our countrymen gave their lives and women gave their lives uh, for the cause of freedom here at home and all over the world. And I think we need to say thank you to them and to the families that have paid such a price. We honor that this weekend. So much to celebrate. It's my dad's 82nd birthday today. So if you see him here, he's around today. Tell him happy birthday, 82. Man, we have so much to celebrate. Baptizing 18 people this weekend. We are, uh, we're drowning in confetti over here today already and two services to go. God has been so good. Greg came into my office this week and said, Pastor, you remember last year about this time we were celebrating because we'd grown by 20% at this point last year. We were so excited, and that was just phenomenal growth. He said, I got good news. This year we're grown, we've grown by 30%. So uh, God is doing so many wonderful things, and so many of you are new to Upward, and we're just so glad that you're here and you're a part of what God is doing. Thank you for being who you are. Today we're talking about joy. People long for joy. We're in a culture and in a situation around the world that we need more joy than ever. People are spending a lot of money on joy. Do you know that? I researched recently how much it would cost to bring a comedian to an event. And I found out that if you want to get a name brand, well-known comedian to come to an event, it can cost you easily $100,000 for one show. People spending a lot of money on laughter. I just researched after that, it piqued my curiosity, so I went to see how much the most expensive and the highest paid comedians, not many of them, but a few of them get $1 million per performance. Isn't that incredible? People are spending a lot of money to laugh. Now, I believe laughter is connected to joy, right? When we're joyful, there is laughter. The Bible says a merry heart does good just like medicine. So we need to laugh. So that took me down. You could tell I went down the rabbit hole on this one. I began to research laughter just a little bit, and I found out that the average child laughs 400 times a day. Imagine that. 400 times a day, the average child laughs. The bad part of that, though, is I researched, fast forward it just a little ahead, and the average adult only laughs 14 times a day. I think we need some joy. So my first word to you is laugh today. Laugh with somebody. Even laugh at somebody today, okay? Just wait till they're gone so it won't hurt their feelings too bad. Laugh, be joyful, enjoy the Lord. The good thing is we're learning from the book of Philippians that joy is actually not based on our circumstances but based on our choices. And that's good news. Whatever circumstance I find myself in, no matter how trying, no matter how challenging, I can choose to walk in joy. And Philippians teaches that. Now, the Apostle Paul wrote this powerful book on joy and taught us how to be joyful. He was in the midst of one of the most trying circumstances of his life. He had gone to Jerusalem and preached the good news of Christ. 
His enemies were there and they started a riot in the city. The riot resulted in Paul's arrest. Paul was a Roman citizen, so he had the right, after several instances of being tossed around in their legal system, Paul appealed to Caesar for his release to take up his case to Caesar himself, and they sent him on his way to Rome as a prisoner. Paul had always dreamed of going to Rome to preach the gospel and share the good news of Jesus Christ. He did not anticipate, I'm sure, going to Rome as a prisoner, But nonetheless, he finally got his dream to go to Rome. The only problem was he was in chains when he went there. Now, I want you just to understand for a minute. Paul Paul wrote this book of Philippians in this situation. He was under arrest. He was in chains. And he wrote a book on how to be joyful. Imagine that. That in itself gives us a great lesson. But I want you to understand the difficulty Paul went through. How many of you like to travel? Can I see your hands? How many like to travel? How many of you don't like to stay in the same place for very long? You kind of have to move around a lot. The Apostle Paul, before he was arrested, was a big traveler. He was going all over the world. He was always moving. He was always meeting new people and seeing new places. He was moving around everywhere. And all of a sudden, he found himself in Rome having to stay in the same room all the time. How many of you, if you didn't get a change of scenery once in a while, you feel like you might go a little bit crazier than you already are? Can anybody lift a hand? You like to move. All of a sudden, the Apostle Paul went from moving all over the world to being confined to one place. He went around meeting new people all the time and speaking to multitudes He had a worldwide ministry. He was and is the most influential preacher in Christian history. And he spoke and preached to multitudes again and again and again. He went from the multitudes to only seeing one or two people at a time. This was a major life change for the Apostle Paul. Going from a ministry to multitudes and a traveling ministry to being in one room in one place at the same time. When I think about all that, I think how in the world did the Apostle Paul keep his joy in the midst of this terrible situation when life hit him so hard? And can we learn from him how we can keep our joy when life hits us hard and when we don't understand what's going on? Today I want to give you three statements that the Apostle Paul touches on in Philippians chapter 1. First of all, I want to start with verse 12 today. Paul said this, But I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. Now, what God is going to do in us today is heart surgery. How many of you knew you were coming to church on Memorial Day weekend on a rainy Sunday when some of your friends are at the beach and you showed up to church today and God's going to do heart surgery. The Bible said that the Word of God pierces our hearts and it goes to the depths, even to our motives, even down deeper than we can think. The Word of God pierces us and I want you to invite the Word of God to pierce your heart today because What we're going to learn today is that in order to walk in joy, you've got to let God get your heart right. You've got to let God correct some things in your heart. 
you've got to let God get down into your deepest motivations and adjust those and align those with his heart and his purposes. And when you get your deepest motives in your heart aligned with the purposes of God and the will of God, then you can walk in joy like never before. You can experience little doses of joy with a messed up heart. You can experience little bursts of that. But if you want to abide in joy, and that's the kind of joy God wants us to have, an abiding joy, you've got to let God get your heart right. So I want you to notice what the Apostle Paul said. He said he's writing to the Philippian church. They haven't heard from him in a while. There's no cell phones. There's no email. Thank God. And uh, there's none of that stuff. Uh, there's no instant messaging. They, he's gone from them for a long time. And the only way they hear from him is through a courier, through a letter. And they're probably worried about him, wondering if he's still under arrest, if he's still actually in prison. And part of the letter is saying, yes, I'm still in prison. But this is the first thing he says to them about how he is doing. He said, I want you to know that all this that happened to me actually furthered the work of the gospel. What a heart. What a heart. He's saying, I'm hurting here. Yes, I'm in an uncomfortable situation. Yes, this has messed my life up in some way. But the gospel has actually gone forward and I can rejoice that the work of the gospel is moving forward even when I suffer. Here's a statement I want to make. I've tried to, to summarize these statements into three statements and make them very accessible to us today. I want you to say this with me. It's not about me. It's about the mission. It's not about me. It's about the mission. Now, now this is not an invitation to working yourself to death or sacrificing your whole life for your job or doing anything like that or for getting in some unhealthy patterns because you do have to take care of yourself. I tell people this all the time. If you don't take care of yourself, you can't take care of anybody else. So it's true. You've got to take care of yourself. But what this is is a call away from making everything about me to realizing that there are things happening on earth that are a lot bigger than what happens to me. And when I join my life to things that are bigger than me, I actually begin to walk in joy. If I make my life about me, my joy will drain out of my life because I will interpret everything that happens to me as to how it affects me and not think about anything else. It's not about me, it's about the mission. Paul said, even if I am in prison, my mission is going forward and I rejoice. Paul gave us his mission in Acts 20, 24. It's probably my favorite Bible verse. People ask me this. I think this one is my favorite Bible verse. Paul had just been told that his trip to Jerusalem was going to be difficult, that he was going to be bound. This was basically, Paul was given a word of prophecy saying, they're going to put you in prison. If that had been me, I'd say, thank God for warning me, I'm not going. Anybody else? Thank you, Lord. I'd have been testifying at church the next week right there saying, thank you, the Lord warned me in Jerusalem, bad things were going to happen, so thank God I didn't go. You know what Paul said? Acts 20, 24, he said, none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy 
and the ministry which I received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Paul said, I'm not moved by any of this because none of the circumstances can stop my mission. And the mission I'm on gives me joy even when it hurts my life and even when it puts me in circumstances. You won't hear this everywhere, but I'm going to tell you, following Jesus will cost you. It may cost you some relationships. It may cost you some friends. It may cause you not to walk in some circles that you could walk in otherwise. Following Jesus will cost you. But the rewards on the other side are far greater than any cost you can ever pay. Do you understand that? Following Jesus will put you in some difficult circumstances. But when you and I understand that it's not about me, that it's about the mission going forward, when we get our hearts right that everything's not about me, that it's about the kingdom of God advancing in our world and the part I play in it, we can walk in joy. The thing I think I love most about this verse is that Satan thought that he could slow down the spread of the gospel by putting in prison its greatest proponent, its greatest preacher. The gospel had no greater friend than the Apostle Paul, and I'm sure Satan, with his slimy hands, thought, <laughs> I'm going to slow down. One of the most amazing things in world history is the rise of Christianity from 120 men and women in a room on the day of Pentecost to, in just a few short hundred years, dominating the whole Roman Empire that had tried to squash it. Satan thought, I'll take the greatest preacher of the gospel and put him in prison, and I'll slow down the gospel. But I got news for Satan. I got news for y'all this morning. The gospel cannot be stopped. The kingdom of God cannot be stopped. Jesus said, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Can we get an amen on Pentecost Sunday for the church of the Lord Jesus Christ that marches on the gospel, the good news of Jesus that marches on and will prevail? Paul said, boys, girls, guys, here's what's happened. All this stuff that's happened to me has actually furthered the gospel. It's moved forward. You see, when you know why God put you on this earth, when you know the mission he gave you, say, what is my mission? Your mission always aligns with his great commission. His great commission was go into all the world and share the good news of Christ and make disciples of everyone. You say, well, I, I'm not a preacher. I'm a plumber. You're a missionary disguised. I'm a teacher you're a missionary in disguise. I'm a soldier, you're a missionary in disguise. Because your true calling in life and at the center of that calling has to be others knowing him. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the mission. Then Paul went on to say this in verses 13 and 14. It just gets better as we go. He starts telling us how the gospel went forward. He said, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and to all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Here's what Paul says here. The gospel's moving forward in spite of the obstacle. We've said already it's not about me, it's about the mission. I want to give you another statement. You ready? Say it with me. It's not about the obstacle. 
It's about the opportunity. Oh, that's so good. It's not about the obstacle. Would you quit on me? Start over. It's not about the obstacle. It's about the opportunity. Paul said, listen, guys, here's how the gospels move forward. First of all, it's become evident to the whole palace guard that my chains are in Christ. What does that mean? Paul was guarded by an elite group of soldiers called the Praetorian Guard. And they were an elite group. They were paid double the salary of all the rest of the Roman soldiers because they personally protected the emperor and the courts of Rome. They were an elite influential group. And they were, uh, Paul said this, he said, the whole palace guard knows about Jesus now. I'm going to tell you how they knew. Paul was chained 24-7 to one guard. 24-7 for a long period of time. And the guards changed hands every four hours. So every four hours, they thought he was the captive. They were the captive. Imagine... And, and let me just tell you, he said all of them know about Jesus. There were 9,000 of them. Imagine you're a soldier. You've lived a rough life. You've gotten promoted to an exalted position. And part of God's plan for your life is to be chained to the greatest preacher of the gospel who ever lived. What a privilege! Hook me up to Paul for four hours. Paul's saying, listen guys, I'm in chains, but guess what? I'm chained all day long to people who need Jesus. Paul's like, yes, it's not about the obstacle. There's an opportunity here. Oh boy, if we could get a hold of this in America right now. We need to latch on to this in our country. And every time you turn on the news, I hope you're doing that less because that will help your joy a lot. But every time you hear the news and you hear about obstacles, I want you to remember there's an opportunity for the gospel in this world today like we have not had before. Oh, you don't believe that. If you did, you'd have got more excited about it. Y'all tend to think that I'm the one doing the work. We're working together here, okay? So work with me this morning. There's an opportunity in America to share Jesus like we've never had before. There are people that are, thank you, you're with me now. There are people who are depressed and discouraged. There are people who are longing for there to be some truth in the world. There are people in our country today who just want there to be somebody leading in truth. Can I get an amen? I'm one of them myself. We have an opportunity to stand in the way, the truth, and the life that is Jesus and make him known like never before. Paul said, this is not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. I'm chained to the whole Praetorian Guard. And what was happening is this influential guard of influential soldiers, one at a time, were getting one to Jesus Christ. I love this, folks. Being a part of God's mission is not about the multitudes. It's a wonderful thing to have services when people get saved. It's a wonderful thing to see 18 baptized. 
Evangelistic crusades are a wonderful thing. Billy Graham, hundreds to Jesus. But I want to tell you, the primary way people come to Jesus Christ is one at a time. One of our goals over this next year is going to be something powerful. It's for you to lead somebody to Jesus. If you have never personally led somebody to Jesus Christ, you personally, you have got such an exciting thing ahead of you. I believe this. I believe that every believer ought to at least win one more to Jesus before they go to heaven. I want you to have somebody in heaven because you shared the gospel with them. So we're going to be working to help you do that over the next year. That you can win somebody to Jesus. One at a time, sharing your faith, telling the story of Jesus. Paul said it's not about the obstacle, it's about the opportunity. He said the whole palace guard, then he said this, he just threw this in there. And all the rest. Who's all the rest mean? Anybody that comes within 10 feet of me. Anybody close by gets to hear about my Jesus because I have an opportunity. Then he said this, and I've got to move quickly. He said not only the palace guard, his captors, but he talked about his brothers. He said most of the brethren in the Lord having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. When you speak the word without fear, you embolden everybody around you to speak the word without fear. One of the things that the enemy's tried to do over the church is to try to silence our voice in fear. The enemy has tried to get us to be quiet, to shut up, to go away, in fear of being canceled, in fear of losing relationships, it's time for the church to stand up with the good news of Jesus. It's time for the church to step up and speak boldly the word without fear. I don't mean being a jerk. I don't mean inserting your opinion into every conversation. I just mean being a testimony for Jesus Christ everywhere you go and giving him glory. One of the things that God's been doing at Upward recently, he's been teaching us this. Oh, Lord, i got to hurry. He's been teaching us this over the last several years, not to tell people, I will pray about it, but pray now. Can we make that a motto at Upward? Do we have a list of mottos? We probably have one somewhere, but can we make this one pray now pray now my daughter called us from uh, where she's at out in Tennessee now she's ministering for the Lord and she called us yesterday and she said I was visiting with this lady and they were out somewhere at a business and a lady started uh, telling them some problems and several of the girls were there uh, talking to this lady and they were saying we'll pray for you and Daniela said I couldn't do it Daniela said something in my heart kept saying pray now Pray now, pray now. And she prayed with that lady, and I was so proud. I thought, man, that's what God's doing, and it's spreading everywhere. Pray now, speak now, share now. It emboldens others to do the same. So here's what we learned so far. It's not about me, it's about the mission. It's not about the obstacle, but it's about the opportunity. Then we're going to get into a verse that, frankly, really ticks me off. So I'm going to get mad a little bit this morning. You ready? Here's what Paul said. 
The brothers are preaching the gospel, but he said this, Some indeed preach Christ even from envy and strife, and some also from goodwill. Here's the verse that makes me mad. The former preach Christ from selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing to add affliction to my chains. But the latter, out of love, knowing I'm appointed for the defense of the gospel. Paul said there are actually preachers out there who are preaching Jesus. They're preaching the right method, the right message with the wrong motive. They're actually out there preaching Jesus to build a platform for themselves. They see this platform that I have of a worldwide ministry and now they see me in jail and they're actually trying to build their ministries while I am on the sidelines, even though he wasn't on the sidelines. They're using the opportunity of me being in prison to promote themselves and they're also trying to rub it in my face that they can be out there preaching and I can't. That's what he meant when he said, adding affliction to my chains. People tend to think that the early church was perfect. Nope. I read somebody the other day, he said, the perfection of the early church only exists in the imagination of Christians. Because they were people just like you and me. There were some jerks. Ran across a preacher some years ago. People were saying this about him, and I, I, I can be unkind at times. And I told somebody, I said, that's just a jerk with a Bible. I'm sorry. Probably shouldn't have said that, but there you go. They're out there. I'd be ready to go to war. Let's go take away their ordination. Let's take away their church. I'm mad about it now. Because I need God to work on my heart. I want you to see the heart of the Apostle Paul. Now this is where God's going to work on us in a big way. You ready? Paul said, what then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is preached. And in this I rejoice. Yes, and will rejoice. Paul said, those guys are preaching Christ, trying to hurt me but they're preaching Christ. And I rejoice in that. It's okay to be quiet because that heart is not seen a lot in our world today. We have a, we have a culture today to where we want to fight back and fight fire with fire. They turn up the volume, we do too. Paul said, yep, yeah, they're doing it with the wrong motives but they still have the right message. And I rejoice that my brothers out there, even though they hate me, Christ is being preached. And in that, I rejoice. Everybody say this when we said, it's, let's just say them all. It's not about me. It's about the mission. It's not about the obstacle. It's about the opportunity. Here's the last one. It's not about competition. It's about partnership. Oh, let God work on our hearts with this. You ready? Jesus, work on our hearts with this one. It's not about competition. Now, when I was a young pastor, we would see people leave upward and go to other churches, and I'd be upset about it. 
lot of people coming to upward there's some people leaving upward because not everybody is put here by God you understand that God doesn't put everybody in our community right here he's put you here he's called you here but not everybody's called to be here there are other great churches in Henderson County that are working for Jesus and doing the same thing. And God sometimes puts, many times, puts people in other churches. And sometimes he moves people from one church to another. And he can do that because he's God. Jesus died for this whole thing. It doesn't belong to us. But when I was young, I didn't understand that. People would leave and go to another church and I would think they got our people. They stole our people stole my sheep now I believe in good ethics in the community and a good partnership in the community and I believe in being above board about these things and we don't try to get people from another church to come here that's unethical I don't go visiting other people that go to other churches trying to lure them away that is so wrong and we don't do that but I'm going to tell you friends God had to get my heart right And I had to put into one of my declarations that I make all the time. And this is one I make all the time. God brings the right people to upward that he wants it upward. And he takes people to other places. He does this perfectly and it's not dependent on me. That may not mean a lot to you, but it means a lot to me. Because every day I try to say that before the Lord. And it keeps my heart right. I used to, I would never have said I was in competition. But I used to live like I was in competition with other preachers. I'll tell you when God really got my heart right on this one. And when he got my heart right, it's like he got our heart right. And upward began to zoom. I had this dream of doing this ministry. And I've, I've told you all about it before, but some of you are new. I had this dream about establishing a certain kind of ministry right here in Henderson County. And I dreamed about it for years. We put it into some building plans for the future. But we just never did quite have the space for it and never got right where we could do it and I was still dreaming about it and I had I could see it I was excited about it and everything else then a church right down the road started it it's right down the road started the very thing I had dreamed of like they stole my idea that preacher down there how'd he know about this he stole my idea and I got to confess to you this morning I, can I be authentic with you this morning? I, I know I can. My first thoughts, we're going to do it anyway. And we're just going to make it better than theirs. Forgive me. We're just going to make it better. And it's like the Lord came to me and said, you ever had the Spirit of God come to you? People to me always say the Spirit came to me and said, oh, son, and they use King James. Jesus. The Spirit of God came to me and said, what are you doing? The Holy Ghost said, what are you doing? You know better than that. I said, you're right. God, I'm sorry. I've had a bad heart in this. God said, get over there and see it. So I went over there and saw it. They're doing such an awesome job with that. They're doing it better than, than we could have. I really believe that. So guess what God led us to do? I went to our board and I said, listen, I found out how much it cost and it costs a whole lot. And I went to our board and now we give hundreds of dollars every month to that. Here's what God said. It was your dream. Yes, you should be happy because it's happening. Your dream came true. It's just not on your property.
Now, you ready? Business leaders, I'm calling on you today to stop referring to people who do the same thing that you do as your competitors. <laughs> Y'all were all happy about this when it was all about me. Yeah, keep it on church, preacher, and we'll say amen. But now you're messing with my stuff. I can tell you what, when Upward stopped competing with other churches, God sent more resources and people to us than we ever dreamed possible. Because we don't view any other church as our competition. They're our partners. And if somebody just so happens to be doing the same business in the community that you are, Stop seeing them as competitors and say, we're on the same mission. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know what next steps you have for that. But I do know this. God's calling us all to get our hearts right. Kingdom-minded Christians will do business differently from the world. If I had a mic, I'd just drop it right now. Can I have a mic for the next two services? And I'll just drop it and walk off the stage, and that'll be really dramatic. Can we let God get our hearts right? You probably got a million questions about that, and I have zero answers about how you're actually going to implement that. But let God get your heart right. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for 18 people passing through the waters of baptism, new life. Thank you for the heart surgery you're doing on us today on Pentecost Sunday. Getting our hearts right. It's not about me. It's about the mission. It's not about the obstacle. It's about the opportunity. And it is not about competition. It's about partnership. God, correct our hearts there today in Jesus' name. With heads bowed and eyes closed all across this sanctuary. Who today would say, Pastor, I'm just saying yes to Jesus. I'm not signing up for church membership. I'm not making a commitment to you. I'm just saying, Jesus, yes, whatever you want to do in my life, I invite you to do it. Can I see your hands right now? Jesus, yes. Jesus, yes. Thank you so much. Anybody saying yes to Jesus? Yes to Jesus. Now, one last one. I'm going to leave you alone for a minute. I'm going to say I need God to work on my heart in one of these areas. Jesus, work on my heart. Can I see your hands? Raise them up. Oh, I see a bunch of them. Oh, a lot of them. Heart surgery is happening all over this place. Spiritual surgery. And there's blessing in front of you like you never thought possible. I'm just going to tell you, there's a season in front of you that God's got your heart right. You're going to see incredible things in Jesus' name. Would you stand with me right now? Please stand. I want to pray first of all with those saying yes to Christ here or online. Pray with me. Lord Jesus, I ask you today, come into my heart. I open my heart to you. Save me. Change me. From this day forward, I'm yours. I'm yours. Amen. Good morning. You ready to be blessed from Psalm 1? Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth its fruit in its season, 
whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. The way of the ungodly shall perish. Be blessed like a tree planted by the waters as you meditate and love the law of the Lord. I bless you. I commission you. Go out of this place. Make Jesus known everywhere you go, one at a time. Love y'all. See you next week. Love you so much.